Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 108. My guest today is Sam Benchigib. Sam, I'm sorry if I'm butchering your last name a little bit, but I had heard about Sam and his brother Gary and their organization, Make a Change World, while I was in Indonesia last year. So a lot of the episodes that came out of Indonesia, like the... Uh, idea to have the specific people on that came from my friend uh, Chitra because, you know, she's got uh, her ear to the ground there. She knows what's going on and she said like, oh, this person's doing this cool thing and this person's doing that cool thing. So that's even how I found like the Naked Traveler and Psycho G and Yako, uh, Diavio, uh, David Wieser. So I say that to say thank you, Chitra. Kudos to you. And I had... I think I first reached out to Sam while I was in Indonesia and he was like, yeah, definitely. We went back and forth for a little bit. We tried to have our paths match up uh, and we couldn't quite be in the same place at the same time. So today's the first time that I've done an interview or recorded conversation over the phone in, in a very long time. It's actually quite convenient, um, but hopefully the sound you know, is good enough for you. Uh, it's never going to be as clear as it is as an in-person, but I think this one is okay. So what Sam does is Sam and his brother have this organization in which they are bringing light to issues of environmentalism and plastic waste within Indonesia, specifically Bali and and Western Java. And they've had some videos that have gone really viral about the Chicharam River, which is one of the most polluted rivers in the world. They actually traversed this river, um, which, you know, sort of inspired even the president of Indonesia to, to get involved and to say, we are going to allocate resources and people and money towards cleaning up this river. Uh, Sam gets into, you know, his adventures and his travels and his, his advocacy and his work, but he's also been down the, the Gowanus here in New York. He has aspirations to go down the most polluted waterways in every continent. He's 21 years old. His brother's 24 um, his brother's girlfriend, I believe he said is 18 or 19 and she started an NGO to reduce or actually not reduce, eliminate the use of single plastic, uh, bags in Indonesia. I mean, incredible. It's, it's funny to me because they're so young, but they've been able to create actual sustainable, like really meaningful change. So if you can take anything from this episode, hopefully it inspires you to get involved in something. I think a lot of us feel small and insignificant in the face of these like grand issues and problems in the world. But these things start with an idea. They start with one person. They start with someone putting forth the effort. It's funny because I was thinking, you know, where I am here in Brooklyn, um, I'm obviously walking a lot and in the immediate blocks around the apartment, they're really filthy. And as I walk through, I'm always just like, God, like who's just throwing their trash around or who's neglecting it or... Um, even like the, the waste pickup, are they dropping stuff and then just leaving it? And like I walk past it and then I get, you know, I get like anxious and then I get in a bad mood. But am I cleaning up the trash myself? No. Right? So if everyone sort of got involved or pitched in or did a small part, you know, that would snowball into much larger change. So 
yeah, if you're interested in fixing the environment, start with your block, start with your house, start with your own kitchen, the own waste that you produce, the own materials that you use, and try to you know diminish and reduce your own plastic consumption and use. Another thing I just want to highlight, it'll come up later, um, but I thought it was just really wise of Sam, even at, at you know, I've got 11 more years of life experience than him, but he, he seems to really get it. Um, and he said, like I asked him a question about his motivation, and he said, you know, I would have sort of felt unfulfilled if I didn't at least try these things. And yeah, like we've talked about that over and over. Take the plunge. If you make it to 60 and you have unfulfilled wishes or dreams or you said, I should have done that, then I, I think I look at that as, as quite a tragic life. So yeah, uh, go to uh, make a change world, make a change dot world, right? Actually, just go to the, the show notes for this episode and you can watch all the amazing videos that Sam and Gary have put together. Yeah, makeachange.world. Um, check out their social medias. Uh, we mentioned uh, the NGO Bye Bye Plastic Bags. Check that out as well. I'll have a link for that in the show notes. And learn more about it. And you know, feel free to get involved in whichever way you, uh, you'd like to. Also, if you want to, and have the means to support the TV TV podcast, you can do so on Patreon. That is a subscription-based service where you can give $1, $5, $10, $100 a month, and that will go to keeping these stories coming, the education, the entertainment, whatever it is that you take from this podcast. I've got a lot of cool stuff coming up. I think I'll talk about that in the... No, I'll talk about it now. Um... Yeah, I've, I've booked a lot of cool things over the next month or so here, so uh, expect more frequent episodes. And I got some cool work things coming up too that I'll talk about, I think, once they happen because, you know, things fall through and then I'll feel silly for bringing it up. But uh, yeah, lots of cool stuff coming up. So if you want to support with keeping these stories coming, I'd greatly appreciate that. So head on over to Patreon. Okay, folks, I hope you enjoyed this one with Sam. I sure did. Well, so I was in Indonesia this past uh, fall, beginning of winter for about three months. Uh, it's a place mm. that I really love. It's probably like one of uh, my favorite places that I've traveled to. And while I was there, I had a friend who was just like feeding me like all of these people that I need to talk to for the podcast. And she talked to me about uh, you and your brother, and I checked you guys out. And so that's when we started going back and forth a little bit to try to uh, match our schedules up. So I'm really, really happy and excited yeah. that, that I get to talk to you today. What, or at what point in your life did you end up in Indonesia? Did you grow up there? Uh, no. So we're originally from France. And um, by the way, I'm sorry, this is terrible because I have a cold right now. Uh, it's okay. So... It might sound a little weird, but um, um, so we grew up in France and moved to Indonesia in 2005. 
Oh, wow. So I was with my older brother, my older sister, and my parents. So I moved there when I was seven and my brother was nine. Whoa. And we've lived there ever since. My parents still live out there. Um, and then for a while, my brother went to move to New York to go to film school. And I did the same thing. So I kind of followed in his footsteps and came to study here in the U.S. Do you mind if I ask you why your, your family moved there? To Bali? Yeah. Uh, well, we had gone there the, um, the summer before moving there. And I guess they just fell in love and decided to just retire and, and move out there full time. Yeah, I can, I can understand that. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful country. Um, I saw that you did, you did a bunch of traveling around Southeast Asia. Yeah, so, um, you know, while I was working in education, I worked in a charter school, so I would have a month off. And I did three years where I took that month and I traveled throughout Southeast Asia. Southeast Asia and I just like, I mean, as I'm sure you do, I just loved it. Um, so I stepped away from my position this past June and my goal was to go for six months, come back for the holidays and then go again. Uh, so I went for six months, came back for the holidays and then life takes you in weird places. And, um, I'm being a little cryptic about it, but, uh, there's a reason why I'm, I'm staying in New York, uh, <laughs> for a little while now. So, um, I'll get back out there at some point, but it was, uh, it was an amazing six months cool. and an amazing experience. Um, so, it, you know, I, I've obviously been many places in Indonesia. I've been to many beaches. Um, I'll share a couple anecdotes in a minute. But I've seen firsthand how plastic is an issue, how waste removal is an issue. Um, at what point for, for you and your family or for you and your brother, at what point living in Bali did you come to see this as a problem and think that maybe you could offer a solution? Yeah. Um, well, it really only started... I mean, I would say there was plastic on the beaches for over over 10 years now. Um, but it was really at, when I was 12, my brother was 14, that um, we would go surfing after school and it'd be, it'd be getting so bad to the point where we'd be paddling and it, we wouldn't be paddling through trash, but every, every minute we would find a plastic bag. And it just threw, off, threw us off so much that we just decided that We'd organize weekly beach cleanups. So we got friends together to come every weekend to oh, our wow. local beaches and um, just organize these weekly beach cleanups that would last anywhere between 30 minutes to two hours. And it began with um, three people, two friends, and then we managed to get local schools involved. Um, and it pretty much grew to a point where we would get 300, 500 people to come show up to these beach cleanups when. I was only 12, my brother was 14. That's amazing. Um, so this was, I guess, nine years ago. Wow. Um, and since then, we've been passionate about trying to get Bali and Indonesia plastic free. Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, that's amazing, right? Um, I think if people think that they can't enact any sort of change in whatever sort of issue that they have uh, passion about for uh, two young teenagers or a preteen and a teenager to be tackling a major issue that's... That's incredible, Sam. Thank you. Um, and what's amazing, actually, is that, um, I mean, we obviously weren't the first, and now there's just so many. I mean, today's um, climate march, the youth climate march. Yeah. Um, and there's just so many incredible youth uh, around the world and in, in, in Indonesia that are just doing so much about plastic pollution. 
Yeah, and it's interesting because I had someone from the WWF on in Indonesia, and he was talking about mm-hmm. how a lot of waste from other places like China, um, because of the way that the currents and the tides go, uh, ends up in Indonesia. But another issue that I saw firsthand, and I'll preface this by saying I'm not trying to demonize poor communities at all, but I was in, um, I guess, yeah, in Western Java at, uh, in Malang to, to hike Bromo. Mm-hmm. And we went to, I can't remember what the area was called, but it's like, it's essentially a slum. And you, I even saw a mural that like self-described it as a favela. It's the, the colored houses. They've sort of done murals and colored the houses to attract tourists. Um, but there's a river or maybe even like an estuary of the, of the main river that cuts through. And, you know, it's a source of water for people. But it also like I saw children going to the bathroom in the river. And I saw people literally filling up like plastic bags of garbage from their homes and from their windows throwing them out into the river. Um so I know that like one of the sources of pollution is poorer communities, um, which mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming means that there's like a lack of infrastructure for waste removal or like municipalities. Um, have you guys, you know, come up with like a main culprit for why there's so much plastic ending up in the rivers in Indonesia? Well, I mean, I think you hit it, you hit pretty, pretty well. Um, it's unfortunate that that's the case, but I, I do think that poverty stems or is a big reason why there's so much plastic pollution. Um, and like you said, the, well, I would say that there's two main reasons. One, it's waste infrastructure and a poor waste management system. Uh, when you have so many, you have millions of people that um, don't really have a lot of money living in these slums, they don't buy the big shampoo bottles. They buy the daily small shampoo bottles. And so if you buy that every day over the course of a month, those small bottles accumulate to much more waste than a normal big size bottle because it's too expensive for them. Um, so that's, and that's just a small example of other um, items that they purchase, like uh, plastic sachets with the foods that they, that they consume, um, water bottles. And I'm sure when you were in Indonesia, you saw the the water glasses with the little straw that you have to poke the, the top to drink. Yeah. And I mean, that just creates so much plastic and that's also plastic that's very hard to recycle. And the, the, the bigger issue is that once they dispose of that, there's no waste management system to collect it or to recycle it. Um, the facilities in Indonesia don't really have the machines available to recycle the precious plastics. So it becomes a really difficult question. And then that, that's when you have to work with the government, you have to work with lo- local authorities. Um, and that's what we've really been doing around the Chitaran River in Java, which is uh, the most polluted, was the most polluted river in Indonesia and also the biggest river in West Java, um, where now 7,000 military troops are on the ground cleaning it up every day for the next six years. Um, so they're living with the residents and they're actually teaching the residents how to or switch their consumption habits and then also um, clean up the river, pick up the waste and recycle it. Yeah, you guys have this amazing video that went viral about the Chitaram River in which once like the rainy season comes and the rains come in, it just washes like all of this rubbish out to sea. It's, inc- yeah. it's, it's scary. Like it, it looks like a garbage dump 
uh, like being pushed out to sea. It's insane. Right. It's crazy. So we went out um, on the Chitar River two years ago. Uh, we, we we literally Googled on the internet, um, what is the most polluted river in the world? And the first thing that showed up was the Chitam River. We're like, what? This is in Indonesia? <laughs> so we, like Gary and I, my brother, we we just came up, we just took out the drawing board uh, and just figured out a way that we could raise awareness about this river because after we cleaned up the beaches when we were young, we switched the film. Uh, so we make short videos that we post online to highlight solutions and innovations against plastic pollution or raise awareness about certain issues we care about. And so we decided why not just go down this river on the very material that polluted. So we built two plastic bottle kayaks, two plastic bottle kayaks out of 300 plastic bottles each and went down this river and made a film about it. Um, but like you said, we went down this river and we were so shocked. It was just, I mean, the, the entire river just felt like a dump site. Um, the smells were awful. There were, Every single piece of trash you can imagine was on the river. Um, yeah, it's was, it was very, very disgusting. Yeah, I mean, the, the video is incredible. I mean, it, you even see like, I'm assuming the river's importance is that it, it's also, you know, a source of, or was a source of drinking water. Um, in a lot of poor communities, yeah. people use the rivers for like uh, washing their clothes and even uh, dishes and things like that. Yes, we're not sure how many people... It really depends on, on where you get your information from. The sources vary, but it's it's in the 15 to 30 million people. Whoa. Um, that's how many people rely on this on this river water. And that, like you said, that ranges from drinking to, um, to cleaning their clothes, to cooking, boiling the water and then drinking and cooking with it, um, to uh, literally their sewage system. They, they dump... Uh, their waste, their uh, human waste. So yeah, it's 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 very gnarly to see what's what's what ends up on the server. Is so like like already in this conversation, there's sort of different pathways to take in term or or different issues that need to be tackled. There's the issue of like single use plastics, um, how to have reusable materials that are affordable for poorer communities, and then there's also actually cleaning up the river itself. Um, what sort of measures can be taken and like how long will it take before the river's suitable again to be, <laughs> for people to drink out of it or to even like swim in it or? Right. Well, President Jokowi, the Indonesian president said in, so this was, we just celebrated the one year anniversary of the cleanup and, uh, that was on February 20th and, um, so a year ago on February 20th, he told my brother when my brother was interviewing him that in seven years, he wants the Chitaran River to be drinkable. Whoa. So I guess that's the, uh, that's the long-term goal. In terms of um, metrics and how you really measure that, it's very difficult. I mean, you can, you can measure the, the actual weight of all the plastic collected. That's one way to see it, I think, or um, the the visual the visuals itself, like what the river looked like before, what it looks like now. Um, and then I would say the, the, the most important thing is really teaching the people um, that live along the river how to how to switch their consumption habits. Um, I don't really know how you measure that, other than uh, seeing how much trash is accumulated in the villages compared to what it was back in the day. Um, 
don't know. That's a very tough question. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming it's also difficult because one thing I came to sort of understand when I was in Indonesia is um, obviously there's a federal, like a centralized government, but because the country's so vast and spread out amongst 17,000 islands, you have local governments, you have local cultures, you have local languages. Um, is that a hindrance or, or a difficulty in into getting this done and having to deal with like uh, local laws and customs as well as like a, you know, a federal legislation? Well, so we haven't really worked throughout Indonesia that much yet. Okay. We've really only focused our efforts in Bali and Java. And I mean, the, the cultural difference, obviously there's the Muslims and then there's the Hindus. Um, but I mean, Indonesians are really just, I mean, I would say, I mean, they all speak Indonesian, which is the, the main uh, national language, which my brother and I speak. Um, that has really been an issue. Everyone seems to be very open to working uh, island to island. I think the main issue actually is being a foreigner working in Indonesia. Mm. That I don't know if you if you felt that way with what you were doing, but sometimes they just and that that shows also with comments on on some of our videos. They just say, uh, "Oh, like why white guys cleaning up my country?" Yeah, bule. Uh, yeah, it's it's. It's funny, but I mean, I would say that's maybe the main issue. And I think that now that we we have somewhat of a, some, a credible source just from the truth hour itself, I think it's it's starting to get better. Um, but going back to your question, I don't I don't think we have the experience yet to okay to really see the difference between island to island. I'm sure that with sort of breaking through with people speaking Bahasa is like a um, a real advantage and sort of like being seen as credible. Oh, definitely. Yeah, if I mean, if we were to just speak English, no one speaks English out there, so they wouldn't want to work with us. But as soon as you speak Indonesian, they actually really appreciate that that you took the time to to learn their language. Yeah. Um, you speak Bahasa? No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just like real basic conversational stuff. I was learning. Yeah. It's actually, I think, in terms of like world languages, um, a lot easier than a lot of languages. Yeah, a lot easier. Yeah. Um, there's no past, there's no future. Right, exactly. And yeah. like, there's, you know, few words that convey, there are, you can use a few words to convey like a number of different sentiments and meanings. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I've, I mean, I, it's insane that you guys met Jakawi. Like, I saw that uh, you guys also met Susie. Uh, oh, yeah. So that's the, I mean, um, one of the so I'm obviously studying in the U.S. Still, I'm a senior, graduating in less than two months. Um, but obviously, I'm loving it here. But it's just really annoying when my brother texts me and he goes, "Oh, meetings are going next week," and I'm just like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> stuck here at university. Um, but yeah, we're super super lucky to have um, to have reached the Indonesian government after releasing this video. And um, so my brother went to Jakarta, flew out, saw the um, Minister of the Environment and Maritime Affairs, and then somehow that translated to meeting president. And then Susie, this was uh, when Gary went to the conference uh, that his girlfriend, Melati, I don't know if you know Melati Wisdom from Bye Bye Plastic Bags. So in researching you guys, um, 
I saw that too. So <laughs> it's okay. I'm like, honestly, so, uh, I look quite young. I'm 32. Uh, you guys, I mean, we, we don't have to shout your age out if you don't want, but like you guys are all quite young and you're doing these yeah. like amazing, <laughs> inspiring things. It makes me feel so lazy. Um, but maybe <laughs> I mean, I'm 21. My brother's 24. Malachi's, uh, 18. <laughs> yeah. She's really like so young. Maybe for, for listeners, explain what she does, uh, real quick. Well, what she does? Yeah. With, well, yeah, her, her Manachi, NGO, right? Manachi, um, and her younger sister actually, uh, started a movement called Bye Bye Plastic Bags. So she was, I think she was 14 and her sister, I don't know, 13 and 11, but I don't know. They were really young. And, um, they started this movement called Bye Bye Plastic Bags where they, uh, it was pretty much this petition um, that went around Bali and they, they got all the big governmental players, including the the, government, the governor of Bali, to sign um, a contract that would ban plastic bags by the year of 2018. Wow. So this was last year. Um, not much had happened since. But uh, finally, this year in January, um, uh, a regulation got signed or a new law was put into place where plastic bags would be completely banned um, at some point this year on the island of Bali. So you have big uh, retailers like Indomaret, uh, Alpha Mart, oh, wow, yeah. who now don't use plastic bags. Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah. I mean, at least that's in Indonesia and that's in the Kabupaten or the region. Uh, that's the word for region of Badum, which is the, I'm oh, sorry, Denpasar. And then it's going to go on to the seven other Kabupatens of Bali, uh, which is a great first step. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then on top of that, Melati and Isabel, her younger sister, um, are behind other movements like One Island, One Voice, where they organize, they've organized the biggest beach cleanups in the world, or at least the biggest beach cleanup in Bali. I'm not sure about the world, but it was like 22,000 people coming together to clean up Bali's beaches. Whoa. Um, That's so they, amazing. I mean, they're doing some really cool stuff. Uh, of the UN, uh, uh, I mean, they're, they're just super cool sisters. Uh, so the, the older ones, they be my older brother. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I, I want to circle back for a second because yeah. if, if we're talking about uh, the Chitarum River and it, let's say that plastic's being collected and being processed and the river starts to get cleaned up, uh, have you all thought about like the necessity to start like running testing to test for like, uh, like microplastics? Because I know that like in the environment, plastics will break down into like microscopic components of the right. larger piece. Uh, yes. I mean, so you're asking, how do you measure that? Yeah. Well, I guess I'm, I'm asking you if, if that's something that you guys will, will be testing for and do you need, you know, um, like international labor, international scientists to help out with that? Yeah. I mean, so we, I mean, that's definitely something that has to be tested before. Um, I mean, that's really the bigger issue with plastics is that once it's in the ocean, it breaks down into what you said, something called microplastics, which is um, tiny plastic particles that are naked or that you can't see with the naked eye. Um, and that's really where the danger comes comes in, uh, where the fish eat the plastic and then we eat the fish and et cetera. And, then, um, and that's pretty much impossible to collect. Um, with, there's a bunch of tests available today. Um, there's this one test, um, that you, where you use this kind of this, just 
big net system called a Mantatrol, uh, where you leave it in the water for three minutes and it kind of collects plastic that you, get, you bring to a lab and then scientists will figure out what's the percentage of microplastics in the, in the water. And that's definitely something that they're doing, I think, on a regular basis in the tree garden. Okay. Um, the difficult thing with that is it's really hard and I don't really know is if anyone's found a, a way to collect the microplastics. Ah, uh, yeah. And that's anywhere in the world, not just in the Andrichita River, but in the Pacific Ocean, in the Atlantic Ocean, anywhere. Um, there's Boyan Slat, I'm sure you've heard of him, who's uh, created his ocean cleanup, that massive net that cleans up uh, the, uh, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Yeah. Uh, and that only collects uh, physical hard plastic. He doesn't even touch microplastics. Yeah, he was on uh, Joe Rogan, I think. On uh, yeah, he was. I think. Yeah. Wow, that's you know. Yeah. I, yeah. Sorry about that. What's that? Well, I was just gonna say, like, I hadn't even like, it, you know, I'd I'd heard of the issue with microplastics, but I didn't. Uh, for some reason, I didn't even process like how difficult it would be on a microscopic level to do a cleanup. And I'm um, like, I guess we're sort of coming to the fact that there's, you know, not an option right now. Yeah. And that's, that's really the scary part is we continue using so much plastic and it's great that we have all these amazing people like Boy and Sat who are creative geniuses. You know, he's 20, 20, what, 24 now, 25. And he's uh, got this million dollar project behind him. It's taken a while to get started, but hopefully it does have some impact. But, uh, and then, yeah, you have to, that's just one project to clean up the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. There's still so much plastic out there, and it's going to break up, break down at one point. Yeah. And then how do you go about cleaning that? Because I think what my brother and I try to try to fight towards, especially in Indonesia, is stopping the problem at the source, which is the consumers. So we try to education is really what we're leading towards, and educating people to stop using single-use plastics. But then you have to go to the other side, and how do you actually physically clean up the microplastics that's really what the scary thing is yeah it's a really good point too because for i mean for locals but you know especially for tourists you know you're traveling i mean just to be a healthy person you have to drink water but you're traveling it's a hot climate you're sweating a lot if you're hiking like you have to be drinking water and there's not always an option for like refillable stations and things like that so what do you do then (laughs) you know yeah, I know. And that's, that's really the, uh, yeah, that's, I always ask myself if I'm dying thirst, uh, climbing Mount Batur or something, do I, do I buy a plastic bottle? And I always thought myself, no, but, uh, but like you said, if you're a tourist, you know, that plastic's an issue. Uh, you see it on the beaches and if you don't have another choice. You have to buy a plastic bottle. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's that, um, that's why I, mean, I really preach by bringing a reusable bottle everywhere you go. Just filling it up, getting a, like a liter and a half, two liter bottle. It's not really that difficult to carry around, especially if you have a backpack. Just filling it up with water at home, and that should last you uh, at least for half the day. Right? Yeah. You guys, one of you posted, um, I have it here in my notes, but uh, the, the person's Instagram is Lena Klaus. But this person who... Uh, 
through these cleanups, there's these like amazing art projects. So there's one with with sandals. It's like three thousand uh, yep. sandals that were cleaned out of the water, and they're arranged by color, and it like sort of forms this like giant rainbow. But um, further, like illuminating the problem of uh, you know, th- that is something that also a lot of tourists bring are sandals and things like that. And uh, if a single sandal washes away and then you throw the other one out and you don't have a way to dispose yeah. of all this stuff, yeah, it, it snowballs. Yeah, you'd be surprised at how many sandals we find when we do our beach cleanups that you can never ma- you can never find the matching one. Yeah. It's like you go on a hunt, like <laughs> you go on a hunt, you find this perfect-looking sandal, uh, and you're like, damn, I really wish I could find the second one because my sandal was about to break. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so what she does is really cool. She goes on these big beach cleanups and collect, because you have so many washed up sandals on Bali Shores. And so she does this, does these cleanups, finds all these um, these sandals and then arranges them uh, based on their colors and makes like big art installations of waves or rainbows. And so she has a big one um, outside of Potato Head and Beach Club in Bali. That's very cool. Uh, that's gone viral. Like that one's on a lot of uh, different magazines. But she, yeah, she's a really cool. She's a really cool woman. You and Gary recently, um, you, you talked about the fact that you guys went down the river, but you recently put together a boat and circumnavigated the island of Bali. That, is that correct? Yeah. So, yeah. So we try to. We try to match our or put together our two passions for the environment and um, adventure. So we really like that that idea of uh, combining those two things. But what we did for that project was we decided to go closer to home and do something in Bali. And we're like, why not just go circumnavigating Bali to see what's happening around Bali and see all the all the existing efforts that are going around that are going on um we built this boat out of uh, recycled materials we started it with buying two old traditional fishermen boats and connected them with a bamboo platform um and then built a sail that was made out of uh like an old sail put together and so that boat took us two months to build and then uh looked super cool like it looked like the the most adventure-looking raft. Uh, everyone loved it. Um, and, and then we put it out in the high seas for the first, like, water test. And we'd, we'd also had uh, six solar panels on top, so we had, like, a little uh, little roof for shadow purposes with six solar panels and two uh, motors that were completely powered by solar panel or by solar energy and our sail. Um, but we just underestimated... Uh, currents and uh, swells. Yeah. And so 20 minutes in, the boat started sinking. No way. <laughs> so we uh, we beelined to the nearest shore as soon as possible and pretty much had to build a new boat from scratch. Whoa. Uh, so we still used an old fisherman boat that wasn't being used, um, but we had to unfortunately rely on a 20-horsepower motor with a uh, biofuel. I see. But it was still cool that the, the expedition itself uh, revolved around going around the island of Bali in a week. And we had uh, daily stops around some of the main uh, main cities around Bali and met up with local communities, did beach cleanups, uh, talked to schools, and 
pretty much just wanted to see what was happening in more rural local areas in Bali. And we were actually surprised to see that there's actually a lot going on um, in each different Kabupaten in each region. Uh, so that was a really cool project. And we brought on board Milati, we brought on board um, Tekia from another organization in Jakarta called Divers Clean Action. And uh, we had a skipper from Hong Kong and a filmmaker from Spain. It was a very cool little expedition um, that got us, uh, got us to know a little, more, little bit more about Bali. Were you um, like stopping and staying in villages along the way or were you staying on the boat? No, we were staying, uh, we were staying in the villages. Okay. We pull up to the village, uh, have like a full day, full day events organized with schools, communities, and then, uh, and then we'd sleep on land and go back on board, on the boat. Oh, man, that's amazing. It's, it's funny you mentioned the currents because uh, when was I? I was in July. I was going from Lombok to, to Bali and from Lombok to the Gili Islands. And like even a lot of the ferry boats and the, like the fast boats were being shut down because the, the tides and the currents were so crazy at that time. Yeah, yeah the, we, we actually, yeah, we really didn't think. <laughs> we were just like, we really wanted to do this. And everyone was like, you can't do this. Like, Sam and Gary, you guys are crazy. Why would you ever go on the Lombok Strait with that weird looking raft? <laughs> um, and that's actually when we really faced the biggest currents. Uh, on the last day, like you said, in between Bali and Lombok is the Lombok Strait, <sighs> which is known as being uh, one of the hardest currents like in the world, and uh, our boat, we had seven people on board that day, and we also had a local captain who, thank God, who uh, was with us. And I remember we had a, a support boat following us from Ahmed until the really tip of of uh, the entrance to Lombok uh, Strait, and support boat was like, all right, guys, because uh, our support boat, we didn't have one the entire time, but it was to have a filmmaker on that boat that he could film the boat for the film. And so at a certain point, support boat was like, guys, uh, take back your filmmaker. I'm going back home. I'm not, I don't want to go through this current. Yeah, yeah. And I was a professional fisherman who does this every day. And so we still have, we still continue to win. There nothing happened, thankfully. But um, yeah, some, some of the currents out there are crazy. Sam, are you, um, are you guys putting out like a documentary about this? Or are there, are, is there already video footage that people can see? Yeah, so we post all our videos on Facebook and Instagram on Make a Change World. Uh, so there's we have a, a series of videos for each expedition we've done. Uh, so far, we've done four. We started with the, going down the Mississippi River on a raft made out of recycled plastic, bottle, recycled plastic bottles and recycled wood. Wait, I got to pause you there for a second. That's insane. Like, uh, how, like, how much of the river? Did you traverse the whole thing? So that was I was I was on board for that one. That was my brother. Uh, that was actually wasn't our project per se. It was a uh, a New Zealand a guy from New Zealand contacted my brother um, Dan and asked my brother to be the filmmaker on board. So they did a fifty day journey down the Mississippi River from top to bottom. Whoa, that's insane. Uh, that was what three years ago now. And then our second one was the Chitaran River. Uh, and actually, we're thinking about doing a, we actually really want to do a feature-length documentary or at least a, a longer format film for the Chitaran River and our descent down the river, uh, everyone we've met in Bandung and in the local area, uh, and then the cleanup itself. So 
we've probably started that sometime this summer, or at least we've already started the planning for the documentary. Um, then we've done, we did another expedition here in New York, where we spend the paddled down two of the most polluted waterways in America, which are uh, the Gowanus Canal and the Newtown Creek. I don't know if you saw any of that. Yeah, so let me explore this for a second. I uh, The school I worked at was in Red Hook, and the train wow. station I would take to go home was Smith and Ninth, which over you know overlooks the Gowanus, overlooks that like metal processing plant that loads barges and spills oil and pieces of metal into the Gowanus. I've walked past the Gowanus and like smelled how badly it stinks. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I'm very, very interested in, in hearing about your experiences doing that. Yeah. I mean, those, those rivers, it wasn't as obviously as bad as the Chita River in the sense that it was physical trash, but all the industrial waste that is dumped in those rivers is ridiculous. Yeah. And obviously the Newtown Creek is, uh, is one of the biggest oil spillage in U S history. Yeah, uh, we really didn't get that much attention with uh, that project just because standard paddling isn't that crazy. Like everyone, anyone can do it. Uh, it was kind of we just wanted to do something cool. Uh, it was we did it in the day, and it was uh, it was just cool to to talk about it, meet some people who knew more about it. Um, uh, and then there was the the Bali expedition last summer. So we've done four, and like yeah, so like I said, all the there's. It's not just the video of the expedition itself, but it's also we try to highlight um, change makers in each area uh, and raise their voice and help them get more attention. So there's usually the series of videos last from uh, I mean are from five to ten videos per per, uh, per expedition. Well, that's amazing, and I think you sort of hit it on the head there when you say like, yeah, maybe stand up paddleboarding isn't so crazy. I would argue that stand up paddleboarding on the Guanas is crazy, but you know, it draws attention. It highlights an issue. And I know that like, I've been talking to the billion oyster project, um, to try to, to get them on here to talk about like the work that they're doing in the Gowanus. Um, but yeah, I mean like for people that don't know, it's, you might not even like know that there's waterways that cut through, uh, New York city in Brooklyn and they cut through industrial plants. Um, the Newton one, I think, cuts through like where like Exxon Mobil or uh, I don't want to say the wrong company name, but uh, where those like giant um, containers or like housing units for oil are. Um, and like a lot, I mean, I think probably most people know that the East River is one of the most polluted waterways and that like sewage washes out into the East River. Uh, so yeah, like it's pretty important for the people of New York to have clean waterways and to have a sustainable future. So it's, you know, even if you're not impacting the change yourself, you're at least highlighting the issue and drawing attention to it. So I, I think that's a pretty amazing thing. Right. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, something that, something that's crazy too is that with uh, the Trump administration, the EPA's funding got cut by like 80% or something crazy. Uh, I don't know the exact, numbers but um, both both waterways are supposed to be completely uh, clean but now that's just like a side project because they can't afford it that's um, insane so I mean just even like highlighting that I think is important 
Have you, so you you talked about these four, have you guys identified like, all right, here's the next waterway river place that we want to go to highlight an issue? You mean for the future? Yeah. We, so right now we're actually thinking about doing something on land uh, for our next project. We we definitely do want to go down the most polluted waterways in each continent. I think that's the long-term goal. Um, That'd be super cool. We're looking at a river in India. We're looking at a river in Argentina. Um, but right now, we're actually planning uh, an expedition for this summer, a longer expedition, where we'd both be doing our own projects. So I'd be based here in the U.S. and my brother would be based in Indonesia. Um, I want to run from L.A. to New York. So ocean to ocean. What? <laughs> to raise awareness about the ocean. And then my brother wants to bike on a bamboo bicycle from Bali all the way to the west coast of Indonesia and then back to Bali and all the way to the east coast of Indonesia. Whoa. So it'd be crossing, or yeah, crossing America and by foot and then crossing Indonesia by bike. So that, that's the project we're, we're working on right now. Um, we want to start on June 8th, which is World Ocean Day. And, and uh, last between anywhere between four to eight, eight, five months have you like mapped out a route to run? Like that, that is yeah. <laughs> wild. No, yeah. I'm working on it like pretty hard right now. Uh, the more, the closer I get to the, to the day, I'm getting, getting a little scared, but, um, yeah, so I'm, I'd be running, um, 20 miles a day for 138 days. That's a marathon a day. Yeah. It's close to a marathon a day. What? <laughs> I mean, I've always loved running. I, um, when I was 13, I, no, sorry, when I was 15, yeah, when I was 14, 15, I would uh, run to school and that was like 22 miles. Um, and I used to do that just once a week. I just woke up one day and just decided to run to school. Um, and so I've always loved running and I've always been very fit. I played tennis here for Lehigh. I'm on the, um, uh, the varsity team. So I played two hours of tennis a day and I just figured I wanted to do something crazy I, mean, I love that, going back to that, but um, I wanted to do something crazy before working full-time with Make a Change. And I guess this is like a Make a Change World project. But uh, yeah, I don't know. One day I was just thinking, like, what if I just ran across America? That, I, I mean, thought that only 300 people in the world have done it, so it's, it's been done before. But it's still like a very small community. It, oh, so you're not particularly hiding, uh, highlighting any certain issue or anything like that. It's more for like the the physical feat of it. Yeah, so it'd be the physical feat of it, obviously. Uh, but I do want to do it ocean to ocean for the ocean. I see. So that'd be the the, the title of the of the of the run, ocean to ocean. Um, and I mean, obviously, the feat of it is is cool. But I do want to have. Uh, I do want to raise awareness for something. Um, so along the way, I'd stop in cities and uh, and have and organize like speeches at universities, schools, town halls, um, organize cleanups in cities, beaches. Uh, so I'd still be doing very much uh, like make a change world work and raising awareness and educating people about the effects of plastic pollution. I also want to do this zero waste. So uh, as close as possible to no plastic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, currently working on that idea. 
That's amazing. Listen, like um, something that I uh, keep returning to on here is, you know, living a fulfilled life, right? And I think that, uh, or I know that, there's a lot of people who are sort of looking for their fulfillment. I get from a lot of people, you know, oh, you went to that place, I'd love to go there someday. Or I get people that like pitch me things all the time, not for me to get involved in, but sort of to get some feedback because I sort of took the plunge with my own life, right? And so they'll say, well, I want to start a podcast or I want to write a book or I want to travel, I want to do these things. And it never comes to fruition. Like they they don't actually do it. They just sort of fantasize about it and daydream about it. Um, mm-hmm. Where do you get the the motivation and the energy to, and maybe even like the confidence to know that these things will be successful? Like what is your motivation to take on all these projects? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I don't know. I would say it's just like being so passionate about something that even if I know that it's not going to work out or that it might fail, I think it feels better to just try either way mm. than to sit there and thinking, oh, what if I had done this? Like, I know that running a cost of effect is not going to be easy, and I know that injuries are a huge possibility, but if I go on living my life knowing that this is something I've wanted to do but I've never done, I know that that's going to hurt me a lot more than at least trying. Yeah. I think that's a perfect answer. <laughs> because even if, you know... I, mean, I, I don't even know... Because this is obviously a bigger thing. I mean, I'm sure, like you said, some people say, like, oh, I want to I go to this country. And then money is always an issue, obviously, I think. Um, we're lucky enough to, have to be working with some... Uh, I mean, right now, I don't have any funding, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's still looking for it. But uh, most of the time, we, we're lucky enough to, to work with some amazing, amazing people who are uh, amazing followers and who help us financially. If you don't have the money, then that's like that's really where like how can you how can you do it? You know, yeah, for sure. Um, and there's obviously like especially for 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 just talking about traveling. There's obviously hacks. There's what I think it's right. there's ways people can travel inexpensively that they might not be thinking of. But yeah, for a trip like yours, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be people that want to get involved in your run and and to help fund that because that's like even for them some amazing publicity. But yeah, like you, you hit it, you hit it on the head in that, like in my own small way, like I would be, if I made it to 60 years old and I never took like the six months to go away or I never did the podcast around these things, I would be miserable with myself and angry at myself. So even if this failed and I fell flat on my face, like I did it, I had the the bravery to, to, to take the plunge. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes you just got to take life with a grain of salt. Um, Just, like running across America sounds crazy, but you know what? Like, why not? Yeah. Are you? Um, um, there's I, I, there's one Instagram post you posted I really like, uh, where it says Tim's this. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you said dollars don't mean much unless you're hungry. That's the kind of bad. I love that. It's that's exactly what you said. Like there are always hacks um, around around doing things. Yeah, I wrote that with somebody who 
lived and traveled through South America for a year. Um, and she did a large portion of that in Colombia. Um, and like hitchhiked and did hostel, you know, like hostel slept in hammocks, like did whatever she had to do to, to make it through the day. But yeah, like she told me like there'd be a day where like I ate two avocados and a couple mangoes cause it was like super cheap on the street, but that's what I could afford. Um, <laughs> but a lot of times like you sort of suffer through those moments while you're in them, but they give you the greatest memories and the best stories once you're removed from that situation. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Like, I'm sure it wasn't fun breathing in, um, you know, the putrid air of the Chicham River or the Gowanus, yeah. but you came out of that with a life experience <laughs> that very, very few people, you know, can share. And it's, it's an amazing thing. Yeah. I mean, part of the story now, too, is that I could say at one point I saw in the river and whoa, my skin was like itchy for like four days. Whoa. Yeah. And, and this is like, I'm, I found the river for what, 10 minutes. Yeah. And some people bit, like drink and, and wash themselves in the river. Um, so it's, it's terrible. It's something that I tell people because I think it's, it's crazy to the point where like, holy crap, that's how bad the, this water is. But at the same time, I don't like saying that because some people actually rely on the water. Right. Um, and then my brother was, he got so sick at the end that he had to fight a Singapore because he just got an ear infection from like all the, all the chemicals and just being so close to the water for two weeks, a period of two weeks. Yeah. I mean, I would, I could certainly see how that's possible. It's, uh, <laughs> it's funny how you say people rely on it. it it's people are like ingenuity is amazing. Like, I think it was you who posted a video of a gentleman who now like, makes a living collecting the trash that's accumulated on the river and I either reselling it or I don't even know. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a huge, or I don't know if that's a huge, but there's a big community in, around the Chitaran river who, uh, they're just trash scavengers and their entire day consists of walking on the side on the river, on the banks of the river and collect, collecting, uh, what, anything they can get their hands on that could, they could later sell plastic bottles or uh, glass bottles or anything that they can later sell to to just make a living. So on a, on a good day, they'll make like $3. Yeah. Wow. And uh, and their skin is just exposed to the chemicals and all the, and all the disgusting things that are in the water. That's insane. Um, but what's crazy, you talk to them and they're just like, they have the biggest smile. They're just so happy. Uh, they read, I mean, that's really, that's really why I love Indonesia so much is no matter, no matter how much money they make, what situation they're living in, they're just the happiest people and they are incredible to be around because it just rubs off on you. Yeah, I would agree with that, man. It's, uh, like I said, one of my favorite places and it's unfortunate that there are a number of environmental issues. I mean, even like Jakarta is sinking right now, um, you know, but with more international attention, with more like alliances, with more individuals and entrepreneurs like yourself who are you know trying to make an impact to change, hopefully the future in regards to environmentalism will be a little brighter than it is now. Um, how how can people get involved with make a change if they want to after hearing this? Or uh, I would say, well, first of all, it'd be nice to, I mean, just like following us, 
either on Facebook or Instagram, uh, Make You Change World, watching our videos. Um, I mean, that's pretty all that I, I would say people can do. And we don't really, we don't really ask for uh, for funding or anything like that. It's just raising awareness. And I would say the bigger thing, more, more than any of that, is uh, stop using single use plastic. Yeah. So stop using plastic bottles, uh, single use plastic bags. Don't use straws. Um, and I would say just yeah, <laughs> don't use plastic bottles. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's a start, right? So, I mean, I think it's a good point. If if people think, well, or I know there's many people who don't have money and wouldn't be able to contribute anyway if you guys were collecting funds. Right. But again, you know, it was, it's individuals and corporations and governments, but it's individuals who got us in into sticky situations. And if every person did their small part to reduce, you know, their impact, their footprint, um, their plastic consumption, Eventually, that'll accumulate, and it'll it'll make at least some sort of impact. So I think that's a a good place to start. If if people are looking for a place to start, it starts at home, or it starts where you're yeah. eating. Uh, let's plug uh, like some of the socials, uh, Sam, like for for both the organization and maybe for yourself and your brother, so people can uh, uh, follow you guys. I'm sorry, I just I didn't hear that. What did you say? Yeah, sorry. Let's plug some of the like social media accounts and things like that, so people can follow you guys. Yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, both my, um, I mean, we're on Instagram, uh, and Facebook mainly. It's just make a change world. Um, we also have a website, make a change world where we post all our videos and projects and we'll have a, a live mapping of, um, of the coming expedition where I'll be running across America and then I'll be crossing Indonesia. So that'd be interesting to see, like to follow us along the journey. Um, and then I still post uh, some of my like, personal stuff on Sam Benchigib, my brother does as well, Gary Benchigib. Uh, but yeah, mostly Make a Change World on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome. I'm going <laughs> to uh, stay on with me after we close out uh, because we'll wrap up after I sign off here. Um, but for, for people listening, as always, those accounts and the websites will be in the show notes for this episode so people can check that out. Uh, it'll just be a, clink, uh, a click away if people want to check those out. Um, Sam, we've been talking about doing this for a while. So uh, I know you're super busy too. Like you, you, you got class and you got all these things that you're doing. So um, I really appreciate it. I, yeah. you know, no, thank you for calling. This is actually my first podcast. So I'm actually pretty excited. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, like I said, man, like Indonesia is a place I really care about. Uh, these are issues that I really care about. Uh, so in my small way, if, um, I can help spread the message that, you know, gives me great satisfaction. So, uh, thanks for doing this with me. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. Okay, everybody. That is a wrap on episode number 108 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. I want to thank Sam for being so cool and inspiring and for coming on this episode and sharing his story and his work with all of you guys. Make sure you go and check out his socials and check out um, Make a Change and you know get involved in some change yourself. Hopefully this inspires you to, you could even do something small like, okay, I'm here in Brooklyn and I think all the time the surrounding blocks around the apartment that I've been staying are just filthy. 
right? And so I walk around and I'm like, what the hell? Like, who's just throwing their stuff around? Like, this is gross. Like, do people don't care? But I'm just walking past it, you know? Uh, I'm not doing anything. I'm just complaining. And then it's putting me in a bad mood, right? So why don't I organize a neighborhood cleanup? Why don't you organize it? neighborhood cleanup. So if there's something that you think that you would like to see changed, start strategizing ways that you can become involved in making that change happen. Um, That's what this episode inspired me to do. So hopefully it inspires you as well. So yeah, go check those things out. If you can check out my Patreon, that would be cool too. And I'll stop rambling because I had a really long intro on this one. All right, folks, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. Please, please, please take care of each other. Until next time.